This podcast sponsored by Prime Super, a leading industry super fund specialising in the health and aged care sector. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you. Laser is urging federal and state governments to work collaboratively with the aged services industry to ensure the system provides accessible, affordable quality care for older Australians. The PIC also says it's vital that the government delivers a stable and equitable funding base to improve quality of care in residential aged care facilities. I'm joined by Chief Executive Sean Rooney to find out what is needed to pay for the growing cost of aged care and what the PIC would like to see in terms of a workforce strategy for the sector. Sean, thank you for joining me. LASER has called for urgent funding relief in the 2018-19 budget in the short term. How does aged care funding currently stand versus where it should be and what impact is that gap having on providers? Uh, good to be with you, Dallas. Uh, Laser and others have been advising the government for the past year or so of the impact on uh, the industry with regards to the combination of rising costs and uh, reducing revenues, and in particular, reducing government subsidies. So, so we know that um, we've seen uh, through changes to the ACFI and residential care and also changes to um, indexation levels that uh, the amount of revenues coming to uh, residential care providers is lower than uh, previously anticipated, whilst at the same time we're seeing an increase in the cost base, both in terms of um, salary and wages, but also uh, utility costs, as we're all acutely aware of the rising costs of um, uh, power and gas. So, so the combination of those two things is putting a significant financial pressure on residential care providers. And uh, we've seen that most recently are communicated through the Stuart Brown Financial Performance Survey, uh, which was released uh, just recently, which uh, reported that um, around 40% of residential care uh, facilities uh, presently, or as at the end of December, would be reporting financial losses. Now, we know that um, the Aged Care Financing Authority in their last two reports uh, had reported that around a third of residential aged care facilities uh, we're reporting financial losses. So there's something there to say that the funding in the system, the settings aren't right. And and, uh, and I think this was identified by David Tune in his recent uh, legislative review of aged care, where he commented that, that the current level of funding uh, provided by the government in, into the system to meet future demand is not at the right level. So, so we know there is a funding issue in the system. Uh, so what we're saying is that government needs to act urgently in this budget particularly to address just that financial pressure on residential care, uh, that the numbers are there, the evidence is there. You know, as soon as you have that type of pressure, uh, that limits uh, the ability of our providers, our members, to, uh, to meet uh, the expectations of all the stakeholders. And so we need to make sure that they, they are uh, fundamentally uh, sustainable and viable. So in the near term, we need an injection into um, residential care. I think also for home care, Given the growing wait list, there needs to be a solution there to deal with the, um, the rising numbers of older Australians that are requiring uh, care in the home. But in the medium term, I think we really need to investigate the David June recommendations regarding um, uh, some of the other solutions that he had for funding the system in a more sustainable level, which includes conversations around um, consumer contributions. And in the longer term, we, as a, not as an industry, but as a country, need to take a step back and go, 
we know that there is rising costs in um, in being able to meet uh, effectively meet the care needs of older Australians. Where is our sustainable funding strategy to ensure that we do have an adequately funded system uh, to, to meet the increase in demand and the changing uh, needs and expectations? And so again, calling on government to, to work with industry and others to come up with a strategy that looks at uh, not just carving up the pie as it currently is around changing the scores in ACFI or coming up with a new tool, but actually saying, uh, we need to come up with a, a solution that, that looks at um, how other countries are addressing the ageing population and the cost of their care. So things like uh, tax concessions, um, uh, retirement income streams and insurance products, uh, levies, all of those types of things need to be on the table to ensure that there is enough funding in the system to meet the, meet the growing demand. You mentioned the Stuart Brown report there that held 41% of providers reported a loss as of December 2017. Uh, we also regularly hear from RNs, ENs and personal care workers in the sector say that they're overwhelmed by the workloads they're facing and that the staffing mix, more specifically the, the lack of RNs and ENs on duty at any one time, is compromising quality of care. So overall, would Laser like to see staffing mix changed at some facilities to include more RNs and ENs? And if so, would, would a funding boost be likely to improve the skills mix in, in services? I think the starting point is we all agree that there's uh, more funding required in order to meet the needs of older Australians. So, so whether uh, whether you, you, you um, it doesn't matter where you're coming from, that, that is the starting point. It, it, the system is currently not sustainable with the level of funding that is currently being uh, provided. The next question then is, uh, given uh, the increase in demand, so the increase in, in, in growth and demand for services, and looking at the uh, mix of needs and, and care needs with uh, rising acuity, but also changing um, expectations across uh, across consumers, for want of a better term. We need to come up with a model that ensures uh, safety and quality from a clinical uh, standards, uh, but also is flexible enough to be able to, to meet the unique needs of every individual that wants to come in contact with our system. And, and so with that as the context, uh, mandating staff ratios uh, does not deliver those dual outcomes of having that, that, that the clinical assurance whilst also remaining flexible in order to meet the changing needs of, uh, of individuals. And, and uh, you know, the Productivity Commission in their 2011 report were, were quite clear about whilst a mandated staff ratio is conceptually appealing, in actual fact, uh, I think their term was it's a fairly blunt instrument uh, and in a very inefficient way to try to drive quality. And that reflects the, what they call the heterogeneous, so, so the unique set of circumstances for every individual that requires aged care, whether either in the home or, or in a residential setting. And so providers of that care need to have flexibility in order to meet the changing needs of each individual, but also the changes of those individuals in the system. So, so I think any increase in funding absolutely needs to, uh, needs to be there. How that increase in funding is then apportioned, it should not be directed around mandated staff ratios. It should be directed to how do we ensure that the people that are being cared for are supported to age well in, in all that facets, uh, whilst also maintaining appropriate uh, clinical care and standards and governance. There is a concern that 
any additional funding wouldn't be used like that. So how can we be sure that in, uh, that it would be used to improve care rather than to improve, say, overall profits? Uh, I mean, I think that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting proposition. So uh, we, we all agree that the system is not funded enough. So that's the starting point. So we need more funding. Uh, providers need to adhere to the quality uh, standards. And, and so in order to remain a, uh, an approved provider and, and, and ensure your license to operate, you need to meet those standards. And there's a regulatory system that, uh, that uh, assures uh, not only our industry, but also consumers that that happens. And when that doesn't happen, that, that's dealt with through the process there. With regards to profitability, uh, in the industry, you, you need to look at the makeup of the industry. So we know that um, around uh, two thirds of the providers in um, in residential care are single site operators. So they're not big businesses. Uh, more often than not, those providers um, are uh, either family owned or they're um, not for profits. Uh, so you know, this is this is not as if the the big end of town is is rife at profit taking. These are uh, small businesses connected there to, to the to their communities, uh, delivering uh, services in response to to local need. There's only something like I think 19 providers out of the 950 odd approved providers that uh, operate more than 20 sites or so. No, don't I mean I think we'd have to go back and check that for sure. But there's only very few big providers. Uh, of those, only three of those are listed companies. Uh, and if you looked at their EBITDA performance, I'd suggest that you probably wouldn't see them in the top quartile uh, in terms of financial performance. So uh, I, I think we all we need to be thinking about when there are throwaway lines made about profit taking, that you understand that um, by and large, that's not the experience of the industry. Uh, there are some very good providers, both for-profit and not-for-profit, that deliver excellent service efficiently, and I think we can learn from those models. But the other thing to note is that in this industry, whether you are a for-profit provider that's making a profit or a not-for-profit provider that's making a surplus, those, those surpluses in either of their forms are required in order to uh, invest in innovation, in order to service debt, and in order to continually upgrade and refurbish uh, services and uh, and facilities. So, so I think uh, it's too, again, maybe I say too, too blunt an instrument or, or too easy a target to say uh, profit taking uh, is, um, is is a negative in this industry. Uh, to be honest, in, in all industries, you know, you need to create surpluses in order to, as I said, innovate and, and continue to, to refurbish and, and come up with new services. So um, there's lots of checks and balances in our industry to ensure that providers deliver consistent uh, with um, their compliance requirements in the aged care quality standards. Uh, and um, that, that's, that's really the measure of, uh, of performance. And then beyond that, if they're uh, being able to do that in a way that is generating necessary surpluses for, um, uh, for their businesses to continue investing in, in uh, innovation and refurbishment and, and new products and services, then that's what we want because we want continuous improvement. I think the other thing to note too is if you look at the uh, the principles that underpin the reform agenda, you know, aging in place is one, consumer choice is another, uh, consumer contributions, and also market-based competition. So consumer choice and market-based competition actually underpin the reform agenda, and that's fundamental to um, being able to have a functioning market.
You said 2018 must be a year of action in the aged care industry. What must be the necessary next steps to ensure that residential aged care in Australia is heading in the right direction? Look, there's a, um, there's a number of things that I think uh, we all agree need to be resolved and need to be resolved quickly. So I think the first thing I'd put on the table is uh, we have had endless numbers of uh, reviews about reform and quality and funding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we need to get uh, stop talking about the, the industry and start doing something to take what is, uh, by and large, a good system and to make a good system even better. And so getting responses uh, around um, uh, the Carnell-Patterson recommendations for quality, uh, sorting out the funding, both, as I mentioned earlier, in the short term, the medium term and the longer term. I think resolving some of the access issues, particularly um, the Home Care Package National Queue, uh, and also ensuring access in um, uh, rural and regional areas is uh, is fundamental. And then the fourth component is around workforce. Uh, and we know that the workforce task force will be uh, delivering their um, strategy for the aged care workforce to government in June uh, this year. And so uh, pulling all those threads together across uh, quality funding, access and workforce uh, needs to be the package that comes forward in, in the federal government budget. And, and then um, having a game plan to implement beyond that. But the other thing I think that needs to happen and uh, uh, in this country, and we've been, uh, as LASER have been advocating, is um, not only do we need a sustainable funding strategy for the aged care system that resolves the funding um, issues for the next decade or two, rather than just the, the budget cycle. Another core piece here is that I believe we need to have a national conversation in the country around ageing. So not aged care, but ageing, because I think we, we need to start uh, having a discussion at the community scale around all the elements of what it means to age in Australia, because we've reached a new normal with regards to the amount of people in our population and our communities and society over the age of uh, 65 and indeed over the age of 85, and that will continue. And we're seeing it manifest in issues arising around ageism, uh, around elder abuse, uh, intergenerational equity, retirement incomes, retirement ages, uh, all of those things. We need to have a discussion as a country to understand how do we uh, uh, support and enable the growing number of older Australians to continue to live fulfilling uh, productive lives where they're con contributing to their families and communities and the economy. And whilst also understanding that when they require care and support and accommodation, how does that system then wrap, uh, wrap itself around that set of needs? And, and so I think there is a bigger conversation here to, to be had in the country around ageing and uh, we would very much welcome the kickstart of that conversation because that is fundamental to us uh, being able to ensure that we provide that accessible, affordable quality care for older Australians when we have, um, a, a, I guess, an agreed set of expectations around uh, what will be delivered and how that will be delivered and how that's funded. That was Laser Chief Executive Sean Rooney on the need for improved aged care funding.